There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. Before we kick off the show, I just wanted to take a moment to remind you that the ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is taking place in Barbados this summer. This, by default, gives all of my fellow cricket fanatics the perfect excuse to go and book a holiday to Barbados in June and experience firsthand the euphoric atmosphere at the Kensington Oval, the cricket mecca of the Caribbean. If the cricket alone isn't enough to tempt you, then let me be the one to remind you that a trip to Barbados can also include leisurely strolls along the breathtaking coastline, mouth-watering flavours of the world-class Bayesian cuisine, and, of course, plenty of rum. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, the best place to be a cricket fan. Welcome to the following on podcast from TalkSport. I'm John Norman, alongside, as ever, Steve Harmison, to look back at all the action from day two at Trent Bridge. The second test match between England and New Zealand uh, continue to conjure up um, uh, colourful and uh, exciting cricket. There were drops, there were boundaries, uh, there were wickets and there were milestones reached. Uh, Plenty to look back on here at uh, Trent Bridge. And thanks for listening to the following on podcast. So if you're listening to the show, you probably know by now, New Zealand started the day 318 for four. They lost just one wicket set before lunch, that of Tom Blundell for 106, but not before Daryl Mitchell dropped yesterday on three, was dropped again on 104 by Matthew Potts at long on. Um, after lunch, a shortened session because of rain. Uh, New Zealand progressed along merrily enough, 481 for five with the debutant Paul, uh, not Paul Bracewell, he used to marry, manage Fulham. Um, Michael Bracewell, um, uh, taking to test cricket, uh, cricket quite nicely. He was uh, 49 when he finally edged to Joe Root. 496 for five, became 520 for nine in quick time. Uh, Jameson, Southey and Henry not hanging around before Bolt and Mitchell put on 33 for the 10th wicket. Mitchell, last man out for 190. England came out to bat with 553 runs on the board. Crawley went early for four, and if not for uh, fingers by Mitchell that resembled roots on day one, then both would have been caught. Lees dropped that first slip on 12, and Pope dropped by the same player, although, to be honest, that was Blundell's fault. We should have gone for that one. Uh, Either way, England ended uh, day two. Um, uh, Still in the contest, really, in terms of saving it. I don't think anyone can see them winning this match from here. 90 for one. Okay, let's get on with the show. Story of the day. So, Steve Harmison... Uh, stumps on day two, England 90 for one. Am I right in saying there's no chance of winning this match? It's all about uh, saving it from here. No, I think we said last night that as soon as it goes past 
as soon as the number goes four and four fifty, then and beyond, then England's chances of winning the game very, very slim. Even though I've been involved in a game where both teams in the first innings have managed to get five hundred, but I'm not sure that the third innings could bat as badly as England did in Adelaide, and the opposition don't have a spin bowler as good as Shane Warne. So that tells me that I'm not sure this is going to end up in a positive result for England. But the character they've just shown, look, what was it? Um, you know, the last session that England have, have batted out have been absolutely fantastic. I think the way they've, they've gone about the job, yes, the road there, look, had a bit of luck, but you can say what you want about the two catches that Daryl Mitchell dropped. If we're talking about catches and catches being taken, look, if Mitchell had been taken the first innings, England would have bowled New Zealand out for 250. So from that, I think both fields and sides will be must do better, but both bat and sides will be quite happy to see it. You've been given a flat wicket, and when you're given a flat wicket, pressure's on for your batters to score runs. Well, so far, so good from, well, definitely from New Zealand, top six contributed, um, and it's up to England's now top six the contributing, I thought, was an excellent bit of character by um, Alex Lees. And I thought it was a fine, fine little cameo at the end there by Ollie Pope. Got himself in. He was a bit frantic when he first started. But then once he got going, hit a couple of boundaries, got into his, got his mode that he, he's so fluent for, for Surrey, then he looked very, very good. And if he can get over the initial period tomorrow morning, that frantic spell that he has... Um, well, we know that the boys got talent, so hopefully you'll cash in. How will England feel tonight? Do you think after watching what they've seen over the last two days, they will feel confident they can they can bat this match out? Yeah, the only team for me, I think, that beats England at this minute in time on this surface is England. Um, I thought Zach Crowley got a good ball, but still, he's he's nicking balls that I was I've been up and literally I've been on the Scottish border again because. You know, my son, fortunately, had a good week last week playing against Berwick, second team, and he got picked for the first team. And I said to him during the week, where are you playing at? And he went, oh, we're back at Berwick again. So I've listened to a lot on TMS while I've been watching when uh, it's been in and out of, of my iPad. And some of the stats that were coming with Zach Crawley, you know, 18 times out of eighteen times out of 29, I think it is, since he got that 200 and, you know, that double 100, he's been out for a single-figure score. I think it's in 80% of balls first, you know, from uh, come off the edge of, of Zach Crowley's bat. And I was trying to work out, is he unlucky? Because, you know, when you see, when sometimes when you see a batsman and you beat the outside edge and you go, oh, yeah, a better player would have nicked that. Is he, is he that, is it because his eyes are that good and he's nicking balls that <laughs> other players aren't nicking? Do you know what I mean? So I couldn't work that out when I, when I got that stat, but yeah, look, it, it was a fine bit of bowling by Trent Bolt. But still, Zach Crawley, single-figure score, and he gets nicked off. But I think all in all, I think England will wake up tomorrow morning and think if we can get through this first 25 minutes, a little barrage of, you know, the, when the ball changed, and I thought the ball did a little bit when the ball changed, there right at the very end. But if England can get over and the sun's out tomorrow, which I think the forecast's good, England could make a big number on this, hopefully make a big number on this, uh, on this wicket. There's no real demons in it. There's no reason why they can't make a big number in it. And if they do make a big number, I think that nails the game as a draw. But I think psychologically for going forward, if England can go on and get a 400-plus score, that sets them up for the summer. 
you know, that sets them up for the summer. All this, one from 17 before the summer, not getting more than 250, that gets put to bed on a flat wicket and hopefully the confidence from that. So looking ahead, I hope that happens. Um, but there's obviously still a lot of work to do. Notice how I didn't uh, mention or continue the conversation about Adelaide because I, I was there as well, as you know. Um, <laughs> there's another thing as well. You know, Rudy Kurtzen is an umpiring this match. And there's yeah. DRS. If those two things had occurred in 2006, then England would have got away with a draw. Anyway, not that I'm still angry about it. If you can get over it, I'm sure I should be able to, really. <laughs> um, are there grounds where it's more difficult to catch, by the way? Because we have seen quite a few go down. Matthew yeah. Potts dropped, wait, didn't even drop it, didn't get his hands on it. Joe Root and Daryl Mitchell both put down relatively simple, well, they're simple chances in terms of slip catching. The other one, I thought Blundell probably should have gone for it. Yeah. Um, and by the time Mitchell realised that he had, then, you know, it was too late to get onto it. But, you know, it's, when you played here, was this a was this known as a, a, a poor ground in terms of seeing catches? I, I struggled one day cricket for in the outfield from here. I think, I, I really had a struggle. The, the glare when it was sunny, um, the old old edge baston before the ground sort of got transformed. I thought the old edge baston was a difficult place to to stand in the outfield and and see the ball come to you. You know, I'm a number. I was you know a big fast bowler. I was I struggled everywhere. But when you look at it in the real realistically, Lords was always a wobble um, ground where the got. From a, but that was more wicketkeeper rather than slip. Um, I thought the two catches that went down from first slip, I thought they both dived. I thought they both went down. I thought they got to a, a point, and as it got to the to Mitchell and Root, it just just dipped a bit. They'll both say I should have caught it. Not you know, they'll not make any excuses. Um, but it is, I think it is a, a difficult place to to sort of see, you know, visually. There's been a lot of talk, been listening to Sir Alistair Cook talk about his record at Trent Bridge, and he's saying for some reason he just couldn't get runs here because, and he and he put it down to the fact that there were spectators underneath the side screen. But he's saying, I could get runs at Lords, not a problem when they're in the same place, but I just struggled at there. So there are some grounds where they are more difficult. Um, the one thing I will say, for all the movement behind the ball, uh, behind the stumps, I think, you know, 145.3 overs in the field. I thought Ben Folks kept absolutely brilliantly. He looked, he's though, even when they were dipping, they were moving, they were, you know, he was, his hands were excellent. So, you know, another feather in his cap from Lords to, to hear. But yeah, you're right. There are grounds, and this is one where, you know, you, but I always felt, I didn't feel in the slips, but I always felt in the outfield. It was a very, very difficult to pick the ball up when it was coming directly at you. Looking at the England bowlers, you know, Jimmy Anderson's figures stand out once again. 62 from 27 overs on this track. That's not bad going at all, um, especially when you compare with Broad, who went over 40 runs more. Uh, Potts, you know, tough for him. Second match, uh, all the buzz from the first one where everything went as well as it could possibly do is always going to be tough. You know, that's uh, test cricket, 30 overs, 126. Uh, Stokes, relatively decent. Uh, and uh, probably the pick of the bowlers yesterday, actually. Uh, kept himself back for quite a while this morning. Jack Leach, so those figures again, 35 overs, six maidens, two for 140. And, you know, he was dragged out the attack. Trent Bolt basically hit him out the attack again. Um, and the very next over, actually, it was, it was Potts who got the wicket of Mitchell. There's a lot of talk, you know, Moeen Ali's on TMS at the moment. There's a, a lot of talk about Ali. 
and Rashid back for Pakistan, then England aren't just going to bring them back for that series, are they? I mean, essentially, if they're playing, they're going to have to play this summer. Um, yeah. You you would have thought so. <laughs> it's a it is a bit curious listening to Murray Daly commentating on essentially the guy whose position he could take. Yeah, I don't know where to sit with that one. Do you know what I mean? Um, I know what you mean. It's a bit. Oh, I don't know where to sit because I love Moen. If Moen, if if I were, if if I was Brendan McCullough, I'd be in Moen's ear and Ben Stokes. I'd be in Moen's ear because if Moen told me that, right, Mahami, you're now a selector. You've got to pick a team for next week, going to Headingley. I'm available and I'm in for the long haul. No brand, I'm picking it. I'm picking it because he balances the side out perfectly. We struggle to bowl. We don't bowl spin very well in England anywhere. It's more down to the, the, the quicker bowlers. Um, so I think that the his experience and everything he's been through, I think it's a no-brainer that you pick him. But on the other shoulder, I'd be saying, "When's the love of the game going to? When is the love of the game going to go? When is the f- next franchise tournament going to come? When Moen gets bounced out two, two or three times in a Test match? When he gets doesn't get you know, any wickets? I People totally start agree. questioning him. I then totally when, agree. Eh? And then and then when does it? Then when is it? We're going to off you go into the sunset. See you later, Moen." You know, Moen's 35 now. So he's still got loads of cricket left in him. I still think. And and that would be on either shoulder. You know what I mean? You've got you know, you've got a little little bird on one shoulder, a little bird on the other shoulder, saying that's a good idea, that's not a good idea. The biggest thing for me would be while the euphoria of Stokes being captain, one of his best mates, McCullum, exciting coach. All the noise, I'm coming back. It's a nice thing. Trust me, I know what it's like, right? I know what it's like. Because I retired from one-day cricket because I trolled my backside around the world and I got I got wheeled out every now and again. When somebody got 100 or we got belted, we played in a flat one, oh, well, come on, Army, we need to bowl some bouncers. Bang. Brought it back in for a game. Win, lose, or draw. Oof, balance the side away from home. We need two spinners. Right, Army, you're out because you're the most expensive. You're a number 11 and you, 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 you're a dodgy fielder. So off you go. And I'm like, I've got four kids at home. I really don't want to go around the world now. I can't be bothered. You know, this is, this is, there's a better way of life for me than sitting in a hotel room watching other people play cricket when I feel as though I should be in the side. I came out of retirement. Euphoria for Kevin Peterson did really well against South Africa, played one game in India, got belted and got left out again. And now and I, I blew security. Reg Dickinson went ballistic. Blue security, lying on my bed. Where are you? I just left. I left the ground. Susie told me I wasn't playing. I thought, you know what? I came out of retirement and this is what I've done. And I regretted the minute then. And I was like, what's the point in me being, being here? Because I've gone, I've basically come out of retirement to go back to the position I was in. And I got my head turned by Kevin Peterson because this great new regime was going to go. I just wonder if Moen, if Moen had got that in his head or if the selectors, whoever's picking this side, has got that in their head and go, what happens when he gets bounced out a couple of times in, at the back end of the summer? What happens when things don't go well for Moen or don't go well for the team? What happens then? 
we've ended Jack Leach's career by bringing Moen Ali back in. We've potentially halted the progression of Matt Parkinson, who I possibly is not quite ready and might be just a good stopgap for Moen to come in and give Parkinson some more time in first-class cricket. But that be that would be my biggest concern. Ability, no, no one question whatsoever. But what the consequences that potentially could happen if the initial part doesn't go quite as well as it should do, then I think I think there would be have to be some serious thought into bringing Moen Ali and Adil Rashid back. Yeah, I'm kind of with you on that one. I mean, I think that they're kind of veering, aren't they? If Rob Key was here, he certainly if listening to what he's been saying, it's about just winning the next match and not really caring about what's coming up around the corner. If that's the case, then fair dues, just get Moeen back. But personally, you know, I love Moeen um, for all the same reasons that everybody else does. But something just wouldn't sit right with me if he if he is brought back. And if he is brought back, I hope he's successful. And the reason it wouldn't sit right with me is essentially he retired before the Ashes. Mm. Okay. I wonder whether he would have retired if there was, if the if the Ashes weren't happening and it was a Pakistan tour. Mm. You know, essentially the Aussies ended his well certainly put a temporary halt to his career at home um, in two thousand and nineteen was it nineteen yeah um, and away in two thousand and seventeen eighteen remember that? the end of seventeen eighteen yeah. how we could never pick Moeen Ali again and he was dropped basically and then he came back again. You know, if Moeen Ali is going to come back and then basically decide ahead of the return of Australia next year that it's not really for him. And also with the tour of New Zealand scheduled for slap bang in the middle of the PSL, that he'd rather play the PSL. I'd I'd have to say, I know we're taking it one game at a time. We're just trying to win the next game, but that's a bit ridiculous. Yeah. So um... if, if Moeen's back, fine. But I think you need to get some kind of guarantees that if he's back, it's not just for the trip to Pakistan. Yeah. You know, and if you test at the end of the summer against the South Africa side, which are no better, I would suggest, than this New Zealand one. So yeah. Yeah, yeah I'll put on that on that. You could be you could be you could be ultra ruthless. And I hate saying this because we are because I think I think Jack Leach is a he's a fine competitor and you know the whether people think he's good enough or he's not good enough, that guy works absolute nuts off to be the best Jack Leach he possibly can be. And he's got to be commended for that. When he bats, he bats bravely. Yeah. You see him in the field, what he did at Lords. You know, when he he, he nearly got himself, yeah, he nearly knocked himself out, throwing himself into into the boundary horns. But there could become a tie. They might get to a, a point, coaching captain and selectors and go I just don't this this Jack Leach this Jack Leach is just not working it hasn't worked you know he's he's just not quite good enough for the rest of the summer he took his first wicket in 1000 days in England yeah because he, he hasn't because he hasn't played because he hasn't played yeah, yeah. But there's a reason but but this is from a selection point of view there's a reason why he hasn't played because yeah. the selectors don't, or the captain, the coach, don't think he's quite good enough, or there is a reason why he's not played. Now, if they're, if you're at a point where, you mentioned about Rob Key, think thought processes, win the next game, you you might turn around and go, well, Parkinson's not ready. He's next to cap off the rank. We go mowing until the end of the summer. 
And I'm not bothered about Pakistan. I'm not bothered about the ashes. I'm not bothered about long term. At this minute in time, Jack Beach hasn't performed, so we're going to pick Moen. And if Moen gets to the end of the summer and goes, I'd rather play in the Pakistan, uh, Pakistan Super League next summer, it gives us a chance to bring Parkinson. I wouldn't bring Rashid back. There's no point. No point at all bringing Adil Rashid back. You've got Parkinson. He's 25, he's 20-whatever-year-old. You've got to give him, give him exposure because at the end of the day, he could be, he could be your long-term replacement as a spin bowler for this side. So I don't think there's any point bringing Rashid back as much as he's a better bowler, probably a better bowler than Mac Parkinson. But Adil Rashid's older than, I think he's a little bit older again. So the longevity of that, you know, if you, Matt Parkinson gets it right, bowls well, forges himself, you know, he can play at national cricket. We could have him for 10 years. So I think you've got to take a punt on that and give him give Parkinson the go. But if the selectors don't believe Jack Leach is good enough, then then you, you go with Mo and Ali and just say, look, you, we don't think Parkinson's ready yet. You're the, you know, we go back to Moen, who's a stopgap, who'll get us through till the end of the summer, who's going to balance the side out, bowl when we need him to with his experience. Um, because at number eight, and what Jack Leach has given on a, yeah, it's a flat wicket, two for 40. I hope Jack Leach goes and gets five from the second innings. I really do, because of how hard he works and what he gives to the group. But if the selectors just think he's not quite good enough because he hasn't played in England for a long, long time, and it might be all right to just come and pick pick Moen for the for the for the short term and hope somebody comes out of the woodwork. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. If your passion for travel is on par with your passion for cricket, then I have some excellent news. The ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is being hosted in Barbados this June, which makes it the perfect destination for your summer holidays this year. To make the most of your trip, you can also experience eight matches from the series in Barbados, including England against Scotland and England against Australia. In under a month's time, you could be spending your days exploring the vibrant streets of Bridgetown, drinking rum in the sunshine and experiencing exotic Bayesian delicacies in the culinary capital of the Caribbean. There truly is something for everyone. There's no need to wait a second longer. Head to 
Visit barbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, truly the best place to be a cricket fan. What is going to happen tomorrow? Okay, Harmy, what's going to happen on day three at Trent Bridge? Runs, 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 runs. I hope it's going to be huge runs for Ollie Pope, huge runs for Alex Lees. I hope it's the coming of Alex Lees. I really do. And the kid has worked so hard, um, ups and downs in career, had to move county. He's nearly there, nearly there. Twenties and thirties as an opener. Yeah, he's what is he? He's into his fifth test match. If he goes and gets a hundred, that could be so valuable for for England because he gets you off to a start. Each time he bats for a lot of balls. You might not get the runs per balls that you, you possibly want. But if he goes and gets a big score or he gets a three-figure score, then I think that sets him up not only for the summer, but hopefully beyond um, because another one that works hard in his career. And I hope Ollie Pope repairs Ben, Sto- ben Stokes' fifth. Ben Stokes has gone, this kid is a world beater. This kid has got so much talent. We all know it. And I'm going to back him to bat number three. And if he doesn't get the runs then I'm going to take the the burden on my shoulders because I've backed him. Hopefully, fingers crossed, the two of them get runs tomorrow. Um, Because again, like I said before, if England can go and get the 450 score, not only will it do a lot to save this test match, but it'll go a long way in this summer of cricket that the new regime is is, is moving forward. And a big score from Lees and Pope, I think will go a long way to, to helping that. And of the four New Zealand bowlers, we won't mention Michael Bracewell. Which is the which of the four do you think is going to cause the most trouble on this Trent Bridge track? I think Henry, once it gets a little bit older, if it starts reversing. I was not expecting you to say that, funny enough. Yeah, I think he I think one thing about Trent Bridge and my experience at Trent Bridge, it tends to get lower, lower and lower. I remember a few years ago playing with James Kirtley. He was a skiddy bowler who got six for against, can't remember who else. Was it South Africa? No, it might not have been South Africa, but he got six for against somebody. And it just kept rolling along the deck and very skiddy, you know, flat trajectory. Um, I think Henry will be a handful if it reverses, um, pierced through the air. Mentioned Stokes was probably the pick of the England bowlers because he had a little bit more pierce on it. And I think he got it to he got it to move laterally because of that. Yeah. Um and if if it if it does, obviously if there is a bit of reverse swing, and obviously the angle that Trent Bolt comes from, I thought Bolt bowled nicely again. I thought the old bowled all right. I just thought England played very very well. Um, and story of two catching teams, England could have been had New Zealand two fifty all out, and we could have been sitting here sixty for three um, if people could have caught. So I think I think Henry pierced through the air would be a little bit of a concern and flat if it starts to keep a little bit low. The odd one has. Um, but I think the man that England will be trying to sort of make sure he doesn't get his tail up and doesn't get too many in the wickets column, and that'll be Trent Bolt. Brilliant stuff. Well, it will be back uh, following day three at Trent Bridge. Uh, thanks so much for joining myself, John Norman and uh, Steve Harmison here on the Following On podcast.
The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. And this is your gentle reminder that Barbados is the best place to be a cricket fan. With eight matches from the ICC Men's T20 Cricket World Cup Series taking place in Barbados this summer, including the final, you can experience the summer of a lifetime by booking today. Aside from immersing in world-class cricket in the sunshine, Barbados is the dream destination for all travel enthusiasts. It is where adventure meets paradise, the culinary capital of the Caribbean, and better still, the birthplace of rum. If you are keen to unite with cricket fans across the globe for what is set to be an unforgettable summer, then head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today.